Would you open God's precious holy word to Proverbs 7? The subject matter that we're going to see in Proverbs 7 is actually the main talking point, the main instruction point for the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Um, I read fairly extensively in the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> the rabbis, how the rabbis approach all of Proverbs, but in particular the section we're in. And the setting is like this, according to the rabbis, as they extract it from the timber of the language, the, the Hebrew language. Remember, it's, it's the king who's writing this stuff. You remember, son of David, King Solomon. The belief is among the rabbis in centuries past who have commented on this, that of course the setting is in Jerusalem in the time when Solomon was king, the most significant nation in the, that part of the world in that, in that day was Israel. The greatest leader in the world was Solomon. Other leaders came to him for advice <clears throat> and whether it's Solomon himself speaking of himself in third person or speaking of another whom he had appointed because it was a sage, a person of wisdom or whatever to teach. They were the instructor, the teacher was teaching young men how to become leaders. The whole thing was teaching success, leadership. So, in order to properly teach, there would be teaching from, from the perspective of negativity, and then there would be the positive perspective of teaching. And so the contrasts are made by the instructor. So it might help if we think as we go through this, uh, especially in the through seven, eight, and nine, that we think of young men, young, impressionable, probably teenagers who are apparently who are special. They're, they've somehow been shown to be extraordinarily talented or intelligent, whatever. And this is their teaching teaching them how to apply wisdom, how to see wisdom, how to take it to themselves and, and, then, and then understanding and apply that. If we keep that in, in perspective, it probably makes a little more, uh, not, not, it always makes sense, but it, it, it helps us to organize our thoughts as we study this. Because as we look at this, and especially through the rest of Proverbs 7 and 8 and 9, we're going to think, man, this guy is fixated on this particular subject. Well, he was in the sense that he's telling young men something that they really needed to know if they were going to be successful, if they were going to apply themselves to leadership positions and roles and, and not lose their dignity and their honor and eventually their lives uh, by making poor choices. 
So it, it almost seems like we're following down the same path that we've been on for the last couple of weeks, but I didn't write Proverbs. I just preach it, okay? And so now Shiloh Films comes to you from parts unknown. And did I do that? Starring Greg Coley and a cast of thousands. I feel like I was watching Ben-Hur or something. Am I ready? What a, I just punched a button. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I'm always sliding back to old things. Smooth talk, deadly results, all right? Let's look at the call to attention from a positive perspective to begin with. Here we go. My son, keep my sayings and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my instruction like the pupil of your eye. Now the pupil may be translated apple of the eye. That's the pupil. That's the part of the eye that gathers light. So you want to be gathering light. You want to be looking for a source of light. You don't want to be in a room of darkness because there's no light to be gathered. So you'd begin to look for a glimmer of light. That's what the pupil of the eye does. So here's what he's saying. You be looking and be fixated on seeking the light. Bind them on your fingers, inscribe them on the tablet of your heart. Keep them with you, make them part of who you are. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And you shall call understanding your nearest kinsman, that they may guard you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. So here we go on that same subject again. This is a major teaching point from the teacher to the young men. Essentially, what's being said to these young guys is this. If you aren't wise and you can't see through an immoral woman or a seductress, then you're not going to be good for anything and anything else that you do. So everything else that I teach you is not going to mean anything to you if you don't get this lesson first. That's essentially what the teacher is saying. Okay. It seems as though, this, it, well, we, it doesn't seem as though, the setting is in Jerusalem. Apparently, there was a couple of foreign descent. They were from somewhere else. And they were married, and they either were ambassadors. Now, this is from rabbinical writings, what is extracted from the way they see the, 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 the writing of the Hebrew in the ancient Hebrew. This couple would have come from a different culture, 
a different religion. They were pagans. But they were in Jerusalem long-term, either as ambassadors from another country, or they were merchants, and they were uh, dealing in importing and exporting with Jerusalem. So, the teacher has personally observed what follows. And this serves as an illustration to the young man that he's teaching, all right? First, he describes the occasion of seduction. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At outside, or she was outside at times, and at times in the open square, lurking in every corner. She caught him, he's looking. Now you're gonna see he's looking through the lattice, he's up there, and they don't know he's watching. When I was in Egypt, 19 years old, I roomed in a hotel room with uh, a principal of a small high school who was 28 years old. He was a young single, well, older than me, but he was single as well. When I was 19 years old, the guy that was assassinated, was it Nasser or whatever his name was, the Egyptian president was the guy that was later assassinated, but at Sadat, Sadat, thank you, Sadat. And of course his picture was everywhere and his soldiers were everywhere. We couldn't get out of our rooms unless the military sent an escort, armed escort, and carried us to wherever we would eat, whatever we would look at. We would go up to the pyramids. They were, they were strong allies of Russia at the time, USSR. So we're in our room, and we're kind of bored. I'm not sure they had a television, but good grief, if they had a television, what, what is it saying? You know, you couldn't understand anything. We heard this, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we heard this music outside our window. We had these little balconies. So he and I went over. We were on the second floor, and we looked right down into a bevy of belly dancers, scantily clad, doing the whatever it is that belly dancers do, writhing and. You know what I'm talking about. I dream of genie. That's kind of what it, you know. So we, we observed this. <laughs> you know, we were, we were there to learn. <laughs> so this was, a, this, was a, this, this was an educational uh, experience. We'd look at each other and they were just very pretty women, you know. And... They were belly dancing, and you could see their bellies and all this stuff. And we commented to one another how talented they were. <laughs> what they do, they do well. Yeah, they do, don't they? I wonder if we could pay the orchestra guy to play a song we know, you know. Of course, all of these men were around watching them. 
they would look up at us. And whenever, whenever they saw that we were looking at them, they gave an extra wiggle, you know. And I said, I think I'm scared. I'm scared of these people. I said, well, I am too. <laughs> well, what we're going to do, we're going to think about it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Finally, though, we got back in. It was time for us to go somewhere, and our military escort was there to take us wherever it was we were going next. But here's the point. That's my only experience with belly dancers, thank God in heaven. But from that one experience, I could see the look in the eye, you know, the smile. Man, they were made up, you know, they had all this makeup on and things, sparkling things to draw attention to certain, you, you know what I'm saying. So uh, anybody that's been around the block a few times understands what this guy's warning against. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so here's what he says. Loud, rebellious, her feet wouldn't stay at home. At times she was outside, at times she was in the open square, lurking at every corner. There she was. Now, she saw this young guy as, as the instructor is giving his personal observation from experience. This young guy walks by. So she caught him and kissed him. Oh dear. Brazenly she said to him, I have peace offerings with me today. Today I paid my vows. Therefore, I came out to meet you, to diligently seek your face, and I found you. Now, we're going to see in the context that she was dressed like a prostitute. She was made up like a prostitute. She had all of the approaches of a prostitute. She had the smooth talk. She was very aggressive because she saw it in this poor young guy's eyes that he was wide open for the attack. I was looking for you. I was looking for your face. I found you. Okay? So that you can imagine the guy, he's in a stupor, right? He's just, oh man, you are so lovely. You're so beautiful. Now, the rabbis say that in the way that the language is written, it's a reference to Baal worship. Baal worship had in its worship, and we talked about this in other, especially in Jeremiah. Baal worship had as part of its worship because Baal was in pursuit of a consort, uh, 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 the female part, whose name was Anat, Anat. The death, the God of death is Mot, 
This, this, you'll see how this works out as we go through. Mot is the God of death who oversees the cold, dark winter. Baal is the God who brings springtime and life and sunshine. And in order for the earth to give forth its fertile fruit, Baal had to, well, you know what he had to do with a knot, right? And after the consummation, the earth would produce. It's a worship of fertility. It was a fertility cult. And open sexual perverted, perverted behavior was part of the worship. This woman's husband is gone. She has been in a ritual where she paid her vows and now having experienced and seen what she has seen and experienced in the pagan ritual, she wants a man. Now here's this young guy, dear, you know, I, deer in the headlights kind of thing. So she just grabs him, kisses him. You're the one. I've been looking for you. And I found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, with colored coverings of linen from Egypt. Perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. I mean, I wouldn't know whether to lay on that bed or eat it, you know. <laughs> Come, let us take our fill of lovemaking until morning. This is, this is, you can tell Solomon's writing this thing. Let us delight ourselves with love all night long. So this, here's a young guy. He's going, oh, 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 for my husband is not home. Ooh. He's gone on a long journey. He won't even be here tomorrow. He's taken a bag of money with him. On the appointed day, he will come home. Now, some people translate that as the next moon. The strong implication, the appointed day is the literal translation but, but the, the, the strong implication is that he's gone for a month. He's gone for a cycle of the moon. So he's gone for a month, and he's not going to come back until that cycle. Is. He's going to be gone for that, that length of time. So he's, he's, he's away either, either to carry news back as an ambassador to the place where he serves, or as a merchant, he's gone to make more deals. Whatever the case her husband's gone, but they're pagans. 
And they worship fertility. And they worship Baal. And, and, and this, is, this is just like, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's no different, I guess, than to go to the honky-tonk or the bar or whatever and, and start looking for a woman or start looking for a man. And she found this young guy. Smooth talk. Come with me. Great place. We'll be alone. All night long. He gives in. Okay. She caused him to yield with her enticing speech. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. He went after her immediately. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It didn't, it, there was no, you know, there wasn't any convincing here. He just, okay. Immediately, as an ox goes to the slaughter, as somebody tied up, to the chastisement of a fool until an arrow strikes his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He didn't know that it was going to cost him his life. He's being lured into a trap that's going to destroy his life from then on. Just like an animal is trapped. So that brings us then to the negative call to attention in the last part of this. Now children, listen to me. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Can you imagine these guys, the classroom, brilliant young men, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're listening to this account from this guy. They were gripped by what he was telling them, what he had seen, what he had seen right there in Jerusalem. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the dead that she has failed or dropped, and numerous are all her victims. Her house is the way to Sheol. Hell is an Old Testament translation. It's the, it's the abode of the wicked dead, like Hades, Hades in the New Testament. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Well, like I said, it ends on the negative part. Powerful lessons to these young men. Rule number one. Keep yourself from immoral people, in this case, 
a young man from immoral women. You see, the assumption is, the presumption is made here, and of course it's true, that you're going to find these women everywhere. They're just out there. And you're going to cross paths with them. Just cross the path, though, and don't follow the path. Don't stray in the way she seeks to lead you. Because nothing but tragedy and death will await you on that path. Powerful lesson for young, young guys, young men in the making. Seeking to live a life of prosperity, success, leadership. This will ruin everything, he says to those young men. Here's what I saw. I saw that young guy. He's never been the same since. You'll never hear from him because he was ruined. And if I saw it, many others saw it as well. Don't follow that path. It's a deadly path. And the only thing that can come out of it is your demise, your death, your pathway to hell. Well, we'll stop there. These, these happy lessons from Proverbs, aren't they just the happiest things you've ever seen? But as my father-in-law used to say, the truth hurts, don't it? <laughs> we'll stop there and have our deacon prayer time.